Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. That was a very like classic intro. Anyway, I yeah. uh, just want to start off the episode very quickly by saying thank you to all the people who've been writing uh, Apple Podcast reviews. Stephen, I just noticed that there were a whole bunch recently. Um, yeah. So please, please, please pat yourself on the back if you did that. Thank you so much for thank you for writing reviews. Uh, they're they're all very nice. Um, if you haven't done that and you feel like that'd be a cool thing to do, then go for it. Uh, but no pressure at all. Anyway, just wanted to start off by saying thanks. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, really kind words there. Thank you for that. So, Stephen, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about are like planning for the game of the year episode uh at the top here yeah yeah so i think we we've tweeted about this and we've talked about it in the discord but i think it can't be stressed enough how hard and exciting but how difficult it has been to plan for our goatee episode i think you and i have a very similar system where for the past I would say definitely for the past two seasons, but I think even from the inception of the show, we like keep a list of games that have like really stood out to us. Yeah. I would say like if we brought up a game on the show, there is at least a 75% chance that it's on that list. So like that gives you a, a metric of like how many games we're kind of considering. I would say there's very few 2020 games that were on the show that aren't on my like contention list which oh yeah is wild yeah remember Daddish? I think maybe... Daddish is on there oh Daddish was great yeah of course. do I remember Daddish I dream <laughs> of Daddish but anyway I, I I think I've said this before and I'll say it again I think there's this very common sentiment that like this has not been a very active year for video games and I think it's because time is distorted by <laughs> by for, for real. events. yes you know uh, uh it's just very hard to track when we are these days yeah. Um, you know, I, my apartment is candle lit and I look outside and there are spaceships. Like, I don't know <laughs> what year it is, but <laughs> I think that games that have been like hyped up have come out at very different times. Like a lot of things were like delayed or early in the games that like, I think are, you know, in discussion kind of came out of nowhere. So everything's been kind of like out of rhythm with releases this year. And obviously there are reasons for that. But that's why there's the sentiment that like it's been a slow year for games because it's it's been very uh, atypical of release schedules. But as you and I can attest, as two people who have followed this industry very closely this year, played a ton of stuff. There, there are definitely games I'm sure we miss, and I'm sure next season we'll look back and be like, how the hell did we not play this? Or I right. didn't have the ability to play this or whatever. But there have been a shit ton of games this year. This is going to be <laughs> the hardest year to to make a list of 10. It sounds like a lot. He's like, oh, 10 games? Like, all right. But like you can rattle off the games that like based on this season, like, okay, the no brainers are X, Y, and Z and that's six games, you know? So it's like, okay, suddenly I have four spots for the other 10 that I love. So it's going to be wild. I think like there will probably not be a ton of surprises in some moments, but I think that for most of our list, it's going to be like completely up to fate. Like I, I think this (laughs) might be the first year, like last year we had a very similar list, but a little bit out of order Yeah, like one or two games games that were you know i think i like david blaine guessed each of our lists at one point because like it was it was pretty easy last year even though there were a lot of like incredible games it was pretty easy to tell where they all placed and like knowing your sensibilities in mind like it wasn't too difficult to figure out where stuff was gonna land i think you're only if i recall correctly you're only like up in the air thing was does brendan actually like fire emblem three houses as much as i do which the answer was yes so that that was like the big open question (laughs) this year it's like can i just say real quick i 
I yeah. can't believe that was a doubt of mine. That is like on the same level as you know, again, over the garden wall reference as we're like worrying if Sarah likes him or not, and she clearly does. <laughs> like the guy he's worried about sucks. Yeah. Like me wondering if you liked three houses as much as I did after we recorded four hours together. It's like, take a hint, dude. He does. He cares. <laughs> he likes you and he likes the game. Yeah. So I just thought that was very funny. It, it really speaks to sometimes my lack of awareness. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this year, I mean, like, let's be re- like, it's probably gonna, it's probably gonna be Hades as number one, but who knows? Maybe things can change and we'll see. And I want to yeah. talk about that actually a little bit, but it's probably going to be Hades. But two through ten dude yeah. i don't know <laughs> I, yeah. I don't even know what my own list looks like two through ten i think i have an idea but that could all change dramatically it already has changed in the past week i've been playing more ghost of tsushima you and i've been playing a lot of ghost of tsushima legends which has completely changed my view on that yeah. game uh i played and finished miles morales which we're gonna talk about a little bit i can't talk about a lot of it because i am an employee of marvel entertainment and everything i say and do is not representative of the company i work for xyz but anyway Miles Morales, which has like also changed my list pretty dramatically. And I am constantly mortified at the idea that Hollow Knight Silk Song is going to come out at any moment. <laughs> I'm yeah. horrified of the of the possibility that that game comes out next month. I mean, if you look at our our last two seasons, it is not uncommon for a game to come out like December 12th and just like baseball slide into our <laughs> top 10, you know, like, yes, yes, because we tend we do our go episode a little bit later than I would say most publications do because we yeah. can, you know, like we can do we can do it in January. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, like, I think we'll probably have conversations we'll, about doing it. Uh, we like our yeah. first year. We talked about doing it after the whole year was over, which I think yeah. is like, honestly, probably the most responsible way to do it. Given yeah. potential last minute game releases like a Hollow Knight Silk Song that could come out, you know, could get yeah. announced on December 25th and come out on December 26th, you know, and just like Babe Ruth it into number eight or something, you yeah, know, like exactly. uh, knocking out like Pokemon Sword. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I. So I think at this point right now, we're trying to do like, okay, what are the games like we really want to see through to the end? Right. Um, I, I actually talked about this a lot in the Discord lately because I think a lot of people were saying like, um, and there's no right answer. I think both are extremely valid. Some people in the Discord were saying that they are uh, the type of player who like needs to finish the game they pick up before yeah. they move on to the next. And then some people were saying like they have no qualms with like abandoning it once it doesn't really hold their interest. Yeah. I'm kind of right in the middle. I mean, honestly, I think I have to be for this show. There is no way we could finish everything we talk about. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. It is a miracle that I finished Persona 5 Royal this year and other games. Like, Yeah, there's something about this year specifically that has really driven home, I think, for me, like what a different world you and I live in. <laughs> <laughs> I think compared to like the average person who plays video games, you know, right. Um, and maybe even like listeners of this show uh, to a certain extent, uh, we're just playing so much stuff. And like it, it it got to the point earlier this year where I needed to start like I have like an actual Google calendar schedule of like what games I'm playing on what days just so I could like keep track of it all and like make sure I give everything enough time. But, you know, if if a thing kind of loses my interest at some point, then I'll kind of bounce off of it and then remove that from the schedule. But like it got to that point, I think, which is uh, closer to to like maybe if you like work for an actual game publication need to like review stuff and like crunch to play things you know which like you and i don't do a whole lot thankfully like we generally don't unless it's for bonus episode and even when it's a bonus episode like we're generally pretty amped to do that you know like the last of us part two for example a hellish couple days of like needing to finish that game (laughs) as quickly as possible but honestly was so worth it you know yeah absolutely and 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 that 
that was a game that I think we wanted to see through to the end because it's like, okay, this is all about the story. And that's yeah. kind of where I fall. It's like, if a game is all about the story and I like the story, I'll <laughs> yeah. see it through. Right. If a game, you know, and I'll give it a few shots. Like, uh, And I think too, if it's anything that's like 30 hours or less, I'm like, I can do this. I can do this easily. Totally. Come on. Baby game. Child's play. <laughs> uh, Persona 5 Royal. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, any game like that where it's like a million hours long, I have to be more strategic. Yeah. But I sure did it. I, I've now finished Persona 5 twice. So most of my life now is Persona 5 related. Um, so yeah, I think all that to say we are like in the mode where we're like really trying to finish stuff that we want to, that we think like deserves to be finished to be properly considered. I think not all games do. Like I think like, uh, I don't know... Um, Skyrim, for example, is a game where like if that was coming out this year, that's a game where I could probably just play it and whatever my experience was, I can speak to. Yeah. I don't have to finish the main quest in the Civil War and all this stuff. Yeah, to, like, I think really Hades is a good example. Game. Also, like yeah, Hades absolutely. is like you don't have to roll credits to know where that game is going to land on your list. You know, yeah. I think Splunky 2 is another like I guess roguelikes in general are pretty good where it's like you, you don't need to like fully complete a roguelike to know where that's going to land on your list. It's, it's more based on how your experience was up yeah. to whatever point you stopped and um, i think yeah. another thing that we're doing is like at least for me i want to revisit stuff that came out earlier this year which feels like forever ago to like really yeah. get it for that always that always tends to change my list because it's, it's very easy to unconsciously gravitate towards what came out more recently yeah so like when you go back and play something like final fantasy 7 remake or which uh, I am. Did, did you know yeah. that already? Did we already talk I about think, that? I think you talked about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm doing New Game Plus um, right now. That game fucking rips still. So yeah. Um, or Animal Crossing, which like I've still been playing pretty consistently. But that's a game that I'm like, also doing New Game Plus for Animal Crossing. No. <laughs> <laughs> you get to keep all your a, weapons and equipment from the last yeah, run. <laughs> doing a Nuzlocke run of of, uh, of Animal Crossing. I only have Bardo left. <laughs> but that's that's kind of where we're at. But it's honestly been really cool. I enjoy like. It kind of aids this theme that I always associate with the end of the year, like reflecting on the year and like kind of being grateful for what has happened that's positive. And there's a lot of games to celebrate. And I think that's how I see my list. It's not like these are the best games. Like these are the games that meant a lot to me that I want to celebrate. And that's yeah. kind of what I'm, that's what I go into the list thinking when I choose the placement and stuff. So it'll be exciting. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, it, it's it's so far been um, a little bit daunting, but like really fun and really exciting because I, I, I can't even look into the future and, and and figure out what my own list is going to be yet and i have no clue where your stuff is going to land either there, there, are, there are some things that i thought i knew for sure about your list that like in passing comments you have completely decimated yeah so like cloud I, who <laughs> oh shit okay uh, tom nook what a crook so i i just i just don't know i just don't know where where stuff is going to land but i do know that uh it, it has been fun so far to go back and revisit things that happened earlier in the year which like honestly just like i'm looking at our, our episodes that we released this year and just like trying to see what what new games we played you know and like for a while there for like a couple months there was like almost nothing you know yeah. there was like kentucky rad zero tv edition was like the one game that you and i played in like the early months of the year beyond that and we were neo just like two yeah and neo two because that was yeah. just like a holdover until a Eventually, Final Fantasy VII came out. Uh, right. I think like before the March was a big month of like Animal Crossing out of seven and Persona Five Royal. Yeah. Just like getting thrown at us. Uh so like we just got really into Final Fantasy fourteen in that early part of the year. <laughs> and like that's kinda yeah. I really look forward to the January to March period like the Q one period because that's when stuff that either stuff comes out that will get ignored or yeah. 
uh, we've got some downtime to like, you know, because we're not beholden to new releases. Like we've said many times, we only check them out if we want to, which like normally is the case. But like we could easily spend Q1 of next year, like revisiting older stuff, talking about games from the past that we really love. You know, at any yeah. moment, Chrono Cross can resurface. That's kind of the <laughs> mantra I go into with this show. So. Yeah. My my big plan for Q1 is Death Stranding. Is like really give mm. Death Stranding like a fair shake. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm that's a about. game that talk about feeling good like I, I got pretty far into i got to like the point where people say to play to and then it just sort of moved on but i would love to play more of that game and maybe that could be like a potential bonus one day is like really actually talking about that whole game yeah that would be fun yeah. i would love to do that yeah aj would die uh, we probably would have aj on for that one hi aj hey aj uh, it was just Don't aj's die. birthday wish aj happy birthday if you haven't happy birthday Sagittarius. i do i do want to mention also just in terms of stuff i'm playing right now um so i finished up my Link's awakening playthrough on stream uh which is like all available on youtube you can go watch the whole thing uh the next game i started playing was hollow knight and i'm like way back into hollow knight so Hell for yeah. those of you who haven't been listening since the beginning i should mention like hollow knight is probably my favorite game of all time uh if, if i had to like pick one i think that would be like the easiest one to pick i haven't played it though since the first time i played it so i'm playing it for a second time on stream which is just like a wild experience to like half remember what that world is all about which is maybe even a better way to play it than to know nothing in a weird way totally i i think it like fits in with the lore a little bit more but i've been playing that every morning uh, every weekday morning which has just been like a really interesting experience so far um but it's just really getting me excited for silk song in a way that i like kind of wasn't i was kind of like i was excited for silk song but i'm also a little bit like trepidatious about it i i'm a little nervous about like making a sequel to something i love so much which oh yeah of course i imagine every final fantasy fan is like well aware of that feeling um <laughs> but well theoretically each one is its different world and a different standalone story unless you're considering 13 2 hey thanks for listening uh you can delete your good review if you wanted it's fine we understand uh sometimes i like I just like to let those like bits linger in the air to see how you feel about them mere seconds afterwards. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Silk Song is a game that got announced, I think, last year's E3. E3 2019, Nintendo announced it in a Nintendo Direct for E3, and they said, hey, this is coming soon, was, was what it said on the bottom left of the screen. Uh, they then had like a live playthrough of the demo on the Nintendo Treehouse where like you could see the first two areas of the game. Um, you could see, you know, you're not playing as the knight from the first game. You're playing as Hornet, who is like one of the antagonists turned, um, I guess, like allies the, the, of the, the Vegeta first game. of Hollow Knight. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very much the yeah. Vegeta. And it doesn't take place in the same location. It was supposed to be initially an extra bit of DLC uh, for the original Hollow Knight. And then eventually the, the developers team Cherry decided to spin it off and turn it into its own thing and like make it like a full ass sequel. Uh, so that's what's in the works currently. It has been... If you go to teamcherry.com or whatever their website is, if you go to their website and look at the blog posts that are updates on Silksong, it has been 11 and a half months since their last update uh, on that game. It has been a very long time. Their last update was, hey, we're taking a break for the holidays. We'll talk to you next year. And we have not heard from them. Who we have heard from is one of their like PR directors who has been like, 
essentially leaving almost ARG-S clues in their Discord, which if people can figure out the ARG or whatever it is, they like are, are able to see what some of the enemies look like in the new game. So they've uh, they've revealed like a hundred and something enemies in this game, which already I think is more than were in the first game. So like just to give you a, a kind of idea of what the scope of the game is going to be, it's already bigger than the first game, just like based on enemies alone. Um, I think we also know that there's more music in this game than there was in the first one. Mm. It's it's going to be a big game. I mean, it's going to be like a full sequel, if not you know bigger than the, the than what we saw in Hollow Knight. But my big question, I think, is like a when does this game come out and b what does it play like the second question i think is answerable already because i had like refused to watch any of the real footage from the game because there are like gameplay on the floor demos of like people getting hands-on with the game like over the shoulder cameras of people at like pax who are like playing the game and i just like refused to watch them because i just didn't want to spoil myself but i finally gave in and watched it all last night what i'll say about this game and i think the reason that you will be excited about it on the same level as me is that this if hollow knight was dark souls silk song is going to be bloodborne that Mm. that game and the way it moves feels so much to me like team cherry just really wanted to like flex some muscles in terms of the actual like mechanics of combat and push it in a direction that is like frantic and like nightmarish at times the the speed at which hornet moves is wild but on top of that like instead of you know saying where you are and healing using the soul meter which you're using in hollow knight uh hornet is able to do this thing where you just like press a button and immediately restore three health but you always restore three health so you you want to like make sure you have taken three hits and then use it which feels a lot mm. to me almost like uh, like the bloodborne kind of risk reward of going and like hitting a bunch of enemies to try and regain health you know if you get yeah, hit, totally. like the best move is to go back and continue hitting the enemy so you get more of your health back silk song seems to be doing a kind of similar thing which i think is going to make for some like really really wild gameplay on top of that it looks like they're focusing on platforming a lot more than the first one did i was going to say so like when you meet hornet and hollow knight uh, the first one not this is not really a spoiler she appears pretty early on yeah um, my first thought when we first talked about hollow knight it was like our fourth episode was yeah. like i want to play as her she is <laughs> It's very similar to playing Mega Man and meeting Zero. And Zero yes. is like the fully upgraded version of Mega Man. He's like, maybe one day you'll be like me, kid. See you around. And like, yeah. you know, zips away. And I think like, I talked about this with Ori, uh, maybe off air, maybe not. But my time with Ori in The Will of the Wisp has kind of like uh, reminded me how few Metroidvanias really value the feeling of traversal. Mm. Normally, it's more about like, you want, you're going to feel very limited at the beginning and then by the end you're going to feel this like triumph of power because you can finally do all these things yeah but i do think that we've come a lot we've come far enough from the super metroid days and the and the symphony of the night days where like i think some mechanics are better off introduced as soon as possible or he does that immediately you can wall jump you know so it's like that's just there and i think with with hornet you know, she's introduced with this like pin, uh, a, a needle and a thread, basically. Yeah. Uh, and she and they're all bugs, if you're not familiar. So it's like uh, my elevator pitch has always been red wall with bugs. So yeah. like a- amazing. But like she can kind of use that as like a zip line or a grappling hook, which I imagine will be like one of the first things you can do, which is very exciting. Because I think that's going to make the game feel much more inviting because Hollow Knight 
I love that game. It, it, you know, we we have talked a lot about it, but it does have a slow start, and it has a slow enough start that I don't blame a lot of people for dropping it in the first like hour or so. I agree. Um, yeah, really, until you meet Hornet and see what is possible, the right. game kind of feels like a drag. So I think like yeah, because as soon as could... you beat Hornet, you get the ability to dash, which like immediately makes the game feel about a hundred percent better. But oh, it yeah. takes you so long to get there your first time. Yeah, I, I would very much understand why people would bail on it. And then the second thing you get potentially is is the ability to wall jump and that's also another like five to ten hours maybe for people yeah you know? it's rough but i i think that um spending time with dory has made me realize how much i enjoy like a little bit more platforming yeah uh, if it's done well and i think that this if it if it if it lands this could be even better than the first one yeah. you know based on what they're setting up here that's kind of where i'm landing at the moment just like watching the footage of it it looks so incredible already um and i'm already so invested in a lot of the like little bits of lore here and there as well that i've picked up you know just like why is hornet getting captured and being uh brought in a cage into this like new kingdom why are there like bells everywhere i don't know there's so much happening in the vibe of that game already that i just like want answered for myself but also knowing that like there are multiple endings to hollow knight and like which one is going to be the canonical one i think mm. is like my biggest question um, yeah yeah wh- which of those endings is the one that like this game you know peels off from or does it not even matter are they all canon i don't know i have a lot of questions yeah. But just watching that game move mechanically makes me think that it's going to be like really, really unbelievable. The second thing about it that I'm kind of curious about is like, when is this game coming? Because Hollow Knight on the Switch, so it had already come out on PC a while ago, but Hollow Knight on Switch was like kind of shadow dropped. Um, It was announced in a in a Nintendo Direct and then released that same day for E3. That was like a big that was like I think Reggie Fizame's like last E3 with Nintendo. Like that was his big like last announcement. It was like Hollow Knight is out. Great. Cool. I I feel like we're going to get the same kind of thing with Silk Song potentially. My wonder is when. I think the easiest thing to say is probably E3 next year if I had to guess would be like an E3 Direct next summer. That seems to make the most sense to me. My biggest fear, Stephen Dear listener, my biggest fear is that it gets announced at the Game Awards and released just like Hades did. Mm. when it left early yeah. or sorry when it when it went into early access hades got announced and released all at once i think that jeff Keeley, knowing what he's doing is probably looking for another game that he can do the same thing with you know knowing that like hades had the pomp and circumstance of being released at the game awards he's going to want to try and replicate that with another thing that's like just as big of an indie title it would be wild if silk song got released that would also mean that you and i would only have a few days to play it before the end of the year yeah. which is like yeah i would like need to call out of work for like a <laughs> while you know like there's there's so, emergency paid vacation yeah. it really freaks me out that we haven't heard anything about that game in a year because it really makes me think like team cherry's been working on it in secret building up to the idea of releasing it as a shadow drop again and not releasing any blog posts since last december is like weirdly to me like every month that goes by without another official update from them makes me think like we're getting closer and closer to it coming out somehow i yeah that's i'm i'm mortified of that idea but i know that if it comes out it'll be like it'll just completely destroy our lists yeah it will be like a a late wwe entrance like halfway through a match it's like whoa who's that is that hornet with with a a chair chair (laughs) hitting zagreus behind the neck oh and he's down yes but you know zagreus is always stronger after he dies so you gotta look out 
Anyway, I'm looking at my walls right now, and there are two paintings. Um, I might share the links to these. There's a Celeste painting and a Hollow Knight painting, yeah. which is like our, our two game of the year uh, choices for our first season. Yeah. Um, very cool. I'm, I'm going to be happy whenever that comes out. A merce, uh, if, if, if there's any uh, DD out there listening who has mercy on us and our, our uh, uh, Atlas-esque stress of making a list, Silksong will come out in February. <laughs> that's the thing is there's there's a real give and take here because as much as i would be uh horrified by the idea of it coming out this year and like needing to recalibrate my list and like binge that game um one of the reasons i loved the first one so much is because it came out out of nowhere and i binged that game you know yeah. so like there's a piece of me that thinks if silk song comes out and i have to play it in like four days like that would actually maybe be the best thing for me so there's yeah there's there's a real like how much do i want this situation like remove yeah. our podcast from the entire equation i want it as soon as possible it's the game oh, yeah. it, it is of all the games that i know exist in the world that are being worked on it is the game i want to play the most and it's the game i want on my switch like right now um if i could like do some unholy dark magic shit i would i would get that game on my switch um <laughs> rip it from the future but that said yeah i i don't know you want to take a break yeah <laughs> i'm really excited i've worked myself also, up <laughs> i'm just gonna i want to speaking of uh, upcoming releases i want to remind the world that pokemon snap was announced like a year ago <laughs> <laughs> there's another the version of our podcast where that exact same conversation happens but it's about pokemon snap yeah i would do i'm terrified things. that pokemon snap comes out on december 28th <laughs> Just takes a sledgehammer to the skull of our list, <laughs> grabbing the crown. Yeah, uh, that will probably come out next year, I think. That yeah. was the bizarre Pokemon announcement where they announced that first and then they were like, Pokemon Cafe mix. Yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> exciting stuff on the horizon. Yeah, Silk Song easily kind of, I, I think every year ends with like that big question mark of what's coming out next year. You know, we had that. Um, I mean, this year there were a lot of big releases. Like for me, that was Final Fantasy VII Remake, you know, yeah. ending last year and like thinking about what that could be. Yeah, me too. That and Animal Crossing were like the two big games I wanted to play yeah. this year. And I thought Silk Song also. Silk Song was also on my like maybe in 2020. Because also yeah. the initial release date was summer of 2020, by the way. It's worth mentioning. Like that's, oh, what, they, that's what they like put into Steam as like this is our desired release date. So like who knows now? <laughs> we're, it feels we're such a winter territory. game. I would like for some reason and winter just feels right for that game i, know, I don't know why right yeah <laughs> uh. yeah let's take a break do some unholy magic and get silk song on switch and pokemon snap <laughs> <laughs> goodbye what wonderful you were close is that professor oak telling me that i was close on my guess for when silk song's coming out yeah <laughs> when you go on team cherry's website you can enter your guest date and it goes you were close i think silk song trailer and elden ring gameplay at game awards whoa that's what i think i mean that would be amazing yeah elden ring is the other big question mark phil spencer yeah. in an interview said he's played quote a lot of elden ring oh wow okay and he's not one to really mince words i feel like he's pretty straightforward Yeah, he is very straightforward yeah so we'll see what that elden ring i mean that could be a really that feels like it should come out next year at the very least you know that's yeah. like a next gen is but, that going to be for both or is that specifically for like ps5 and well phil spencer's X playing it that i imagine it's for uh ev for everything xbox right oh yeah i guess that makes sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the whole that's the whole deal with xbox is everything comes out on everything yeah my ps5 rules said phil spencer <laughs> oh i thought you were asking if that was going to be like last gen and next gen because that that is how it works on xbox i could see it just being ps5 on the sony mm. end but it has to come yeah. out for the xbox one on the xbox right. end which is interesting right. Ugh. we'll see elden ring fingers crossed elden ring 
Uh, quick update based on a thing that I was talking about last week with the PS5 and the DualSense controller, how much I liked it. And I was thinking like, eventually, I think that the DualSense, if enough developers use it and people like it enough, which it already seems like everybody does, that Xbox was going to release a new controller for the Xbox series, whatever, that that is going to have like that kind of haptic shit in there. Phil Spencer gave an interview with The Verge where he says, I applaud what they did with the controller. I think for all of us in the industry, we should learn from each other and the innovation uh, that we all push on. And was talking about how like we did the connect and then Sony did the move. And like, you know, it, there's like this give and take constantly. And it seems like he's alluding to the idea that maybe they'll make a new controller. So mm, cool. That'd be sick. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. I, I could see that being in like early, early development come out in like a year or two years, whenever the like PS5 Pro and whatever the next version of the Xbox is uh that the mid-generation upgrade which i'm sure is like the norm now the series uh double x dude what are they gonna call that because they had the xbox one then they had the xbox one s and then the xbox one x was like the mid-generation upgrade right but now they have the series s and the series x so what do they call it man they are tiptoeing around a wii u face i know i'm waiting for the word new to show up in front of it (laughs) with confetti (laughs) i also think like now that we have to like commonly refer to the PS5 and the Series X and S, I think the Series whatever is going to be the what you just said earlier is going to yeah. be like the colloquial like yeah, the Series whatever. I can't I can't stop saying the Series whatever because it's the thing that pops into my head. <laughs> it feels easier to say than the Series S X or 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 this the the Xbox Series. Scarlet was such a good name. That was the code name for yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, would have been great. I might secretly call it the Series S Scarlet and the Series X Axe Deodorant. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Zarlet. <laughs> Scarlet and Zarlet. That's perfect. There they are. Power Ranger villains. <laughs> Brendan, we are in the break. And I think we wanted to just kind of touch on uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yes. Uh, worth noting, talking you know, full circle with with Game of the Year. Um, whenever we do our Goatee episode, Brendan and I each make our own uh, top ten, and then we settle on a top five for the show. And that's where sometimes there are somewhat heated discussions. Yes. Not really last year. Last year was like, okay, just putting two Legos together. But the first season, I think specifically because we had half the year on our own, we had very different. Yeah. You know, the Celeste versus Hollow Knight was the big conflict there. Because mm-hmm. neither one of us was like comfortable with the idea of our game of the year over the others. Yeah. So the compromise, which like I think works perfectly, the compromise was like our second favorite game, Marvel Spider-Man, yeah. uh, being the show's game of the year in 2018, which like I think feels correct the more time passes, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, yeah, looking back on that year, the only game that I think like really stood up to that level was God of War. Which I hadn't played yet, sadly. Yeah. So. So like I think I think if maybe if you had played that it would have been higher but I still think Spider-Man would have beat it out like truly. Yeah, and I think that that game was just like uh, you know um just to touch on it briefly if you want to hear our full thoughts like we've got a lot of stuff in season 1 about Spider-Man and we talk about it on the game of the year episode in 2018. Also shout out to Spider-Man for starting the tradition of me drawing characters from our favorite games taking a selfie as yeah. the episode art <laughs> um which has now become just like that reinvented photo mode like Yakuza has it now with like you it's know awesome. a, a Ichiban can take a selfie with everyone. 
Anyway, that game was also probably the biggest surprise for me in 2018 because I, I kind of had very little interest. I think like similar landscape to when Arkham Asylum came out, like the track record for Spider-Man games was like very hit and miss. So yeah. like it was hard to know how good it was going to be. And I was blown away by it. I, I thought it was so fun. I mean, you know, the swinging obviously was uh, like swinging around Manhattan, which is like what you want a Spider-Man game to do well was the best it's ever been. But in to- on top of that, which is why I think it landed so high for you and I was the story that was there. You know, I think like like the Arkham games did, I think Marvel Spider-Man took kind of the the interesting bits and pieces about Spider-Man canon and kind of made its own little mini canon within that. Yeah. You know, the, the Sony Spider-Man game storyline. I thought their depictions of Peter Parker kind of like being in his mid to late 20s having done this for a long time was really interesting yeah he's his relationship yeah right his relationship with doc ock and mj and miles was really well done and like i found it to be a really heartwarming and and like second to maybe into the spider-verse one of my favorite spider-man stories yeah i think i'm i think i might be right there with you i I think like it's probably into the spider-verse is like my favorite piece of spider-man media in general yeah i I do think number two because the thing they get right about peter so uh in that in that first game is just like he is spider-man with or without the mask on you know yes. the moments in yeah. which he's not wearing a mask and you're playing literally as peter parker are like just as interesting from a narrative perspective um and and show like the true goodness at the heart of that dude i it's really really spectacular pardon the pun uh what they would they were <laughs> able to pull off uh in that game from a story perspective i mean it, it that property could not be in a better hands than insomniac in that situation which i'm sure is why sony bought them because like as soon oh, yeah. as you release a game on that level it's like yes we would like these only for our system from now on and and that without spoiling that story ends pretty strongly with the idea that the torch is going to be passed to miles so yeah. you know uh miles gets bitten at the end and uh i love there's a scene where well, i actually won't spoil it but without you know it's pretty obvious that he's going to be the next hero i mean if you're familiar with spider-man at all yeah. you know like yeah as soon as miles give... morales shows up in the video game it's like okay so he's also going to be yeah, spider-man eventually right. yeah not a spoiler so we were both really excited for for this game i mean i think miles 2 is one of my favorite if not my favorite spider-man in general yeah and i thought everything they showed for this game looked amazing um so i picked it up i got it i'm playing on ps4 right now worth noting if you buy it you do at least digitally you can play it on both systems you mentioned that as kind of like a weird thing because you got on ps5 and it asks you which version you want to play yeah so it's like but for me it's kind of of interesting because like it's like, okay cool i can play it right now you know because i don't have a ps5 yet and when i eventually do get a ps5 i can still play it without having to buy it again yeah. which almost feels like i'm in the scenario they expect most people to be in yeah given that absolutely. it's really hard to get a ps5 right now and like yeah you could play the whole game right now and then carry your save over to the ps5 and then do new game plus on ps5 like that would probably be a really great way to play this game yeah i will say though so my only hesitation with getting it right away i was worried because it was coming out for both i'm like is this gonna be a dragon age inquisition scenario where they're like yeah you can get it on i that's like the example i always use you can get it on 360 or an xbox one and it's like it feels like a bootleg copy on 360 like it does not run and that's again like anyone listens to the show knows that i am not very harsh on performance stuff yeah it literally is so bad it made me buy a ps4 like that's how like i was like fine i get it it's 2015 i'm gonna buy a new system okay (laughs) you got me dragon age inquisition uh i've been properly judged Uh, anyway (laughs) so 
all that to say, if you were kind of if you had the same worry, you can you can toss that worry aside. It runs great on the PS4. Um, I imagine nice. that this is like you have the base PS4 also, right? You don't have the PS4. Yeah, I have the base Pro. PS4. That's so awesome. like, I'm glad to it looks that. like a PS4 game. But I, I've been playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima, which is probably one of the best looking games on PS4 right now. I would say. Mm. Um, so jumping from that to Miles, like it was not like my brain felt the same yeah um the way they capture the environment you know this game is set in the winter uh at least in the beginning uh whereas the last game was set all during the fall it's like a very orange new york Mm -hmm. this game set in the winter is beautiful like snowy central park uh the the city lights in the night sky when it's snowing like it is really beautiful it's a really fun holiday season game to play yeah and uh again i'm really early on so i think that like the jump from this game to the jump from marvel spider-man to miles morales is not the equivalent of, let's say, Arkham Asylum to Arkham City. I wasn't really expecting that, though. What I was looking forward to was, like, just being able to play as Miles and see his story. Yeah. And that's really what you're getting, and that's what they're already nailing. Miles is immediately such a good hero. Uh, There are so many great scenes right in the beginning, and I think what they're laying down the groundwork for is sort of this story of, like, the tensions of passing the baton. You know, Miles in the beginning kind of feeling like he's in the shadow of his mentor. You know, he passes a guy, you know, spray painting like this giant mural of Spider-Man. And he's like, hey, how about the other Spider-Man? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll get to him eventually. And he's like, well, you know, make, ro- make room for the other guy if you can, you yeah. know. But quickly, Miles develops his unique power of electricity, which is so cool. Also, headcanon that Rhino is contractually obligated to be the first guy you kick his ass. Like, he's a <laughs> shit. Like, every story Rhino shows up, he's like, I'm here to teach you how to play. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Miles <laughs> develops this thing that distinguishes him from Spider-Man yeah. and, and is noticed by who's probably going to be the villain of the game. And you can tell that Peter might be a little bit jealous now, you know? So there's yeah. like, I think as much as Peter is like believing in Miles and is such a positive role model for Miles, there's an interesting relationship there that's already kind of being explored within the first, I mean, again, I'm in like the first two hours maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You're very early on. But I think it's incredible. I think, I think they got so much right in the first game that I don't think you needed the jump that you might have needed to keep the series fresh that Arkham City was to Arkham Asylum. I think like they kind of nailed it, you know, mechanically in in Marvel Spider-Man. I will say though, right away, I think one of the things they're already doing in Miles that I find superior to the previous game is they've really trimmed down the like upgrade trees. Uh, One of my like minor complaints of the first game was like, there were so many things to upgrade with the suit, with your skills and with the gadgets like I never use gadgets you know uh, and it was cool like there were a lot of options and there was no wrong choice so the game was what they were doing was they were letting you play it every any way you wanted but just in terms of the design I think the layout of the skills and the gadgets in Miles are much more seamless it feels much easier to kind of gauge okay what can I unlock and how will this help me and and all that yeah I agree there there's a really interesting thing in this game as well where they'll have like a little plus over some of the skills which denote that you can only get them if you're playing a new game plus which are like Mm, i guess skills that are like so game breaking if you unlock them that uh (laughs) that they can't let you have them the first time you play uh which i like is just kind of an incentive to go back and play it a second time which is what i'm about to do and i'm very excited about i i obviously can't talk a whole lot about this game or as much as i'd like to but i will say that i have finished the whole thing i played through the entirety of the story i essentially binged it like a tv show and uh it it rules i mean it if you like it now in in the early hours 
hours, you will love it by the end. I'll also say it has maybe the best last boss of any video game I've ever played in my whole life. Wow. Um, okay. It is stunning. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I think this game does really well that, that I really want to touch on beyond like the PS5 side of it and just being like a technical showcase, like I think Demon Souls is like the actual visit, like visual masterpiece of like what a PS5 is maybe capable of doing, like in, in, in its launch window. You know, it's so easy to look at Demon Souls and be like, that is the most beautiful game that's available on next gen right now. What Miles is doing is much more like technical in its visual like prowess, mm. I, I would say, because, you know, having it snowing, having all those particles look realistic while also being in 4K and having like full ass ray tracing is like so wildly impressive impressive uh that it runs at like a locked 30 frames per second with all that stuff happening simultaneously like with hdr on and all that stuff i mean it it is wild that it works yeah and and looks that good so i i think beyond all that stuff i think even just mechanically what it gets right is all of the side stuff that you can unlock and do is so fun i think if there's one complaint i had about the first game is that like if you wanted to 100 percent it some of the side missions just kind of felt like tedious oh yeah they felt like, like taskmaster a was awful that was so yeah. yeah like taskmaster i was cool doing because i knew at the end i'd get to fight taskmaster you know like that was That's fun true. but like yeah chasing pigeons down in the first <laughs> game was like not a thing i enjoyed doing it's a thing that i did because i wanted to see it through, sure you know in Miles, literally every single side thing you unlock is like really fun to do. And I really enjoy it. Um, and that event- goes back to, to the Ghost of Tsushima conversation of like, yes, the reason why you and I don't mind the checklist, the aspect as much as maybe other people is because like all the things you can do are very fun. Yeah. It shows like five activities that are very fun to do and you can just do them whenever, yeah. you know, so it makes you because again, I think I think one of the common pitfalls of an open world game like this or like a sandbox even is is that they try to do everything. And there are missions where it's like, why are you making me do a stealth mission? Yeah. Like, I'm sure when you in in Assassin's Creed, when you climb up to the top of a tower and it shows you all the icons on the map of all the things you can do, the reason it unveils those icons and tells you what those missions are is because you're going to find the ones that you like and the ones that you don't like, and you're going to avoid the ones that you don't like. Ghost of Tsushima just has question marks because they know that when you hit that point, regardless of what it is, you'll probably want to do that thing, which I think which I think is like an extremely confident user interface choice on their part on their part. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Miles does have the thing where it shows you all the icons of all the things you can do. But like I said, I enjoyed all of them and I will probably clear all of them before I start new game plus. That's awesome because I, I just really enjoy all of them. The other thing that I want to mention real quick, the, the reason that I was excited about this game um, is just like the length of it, I think is the perfect length for a video I was game thinking the same thing in general. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing that I kept reiterating to people is like, this is uncharted lost legacy you know versus uncharted 4 like that is very much what they're going for here this is a shorter game where they're trying to tell a story in a more compact way uh and in so doing it just means it's paced perfectly you know like where there's going to be filler in like ghost of tsushima for example i'm towards the end of act two i'm about to do the mission that will launch me into act three and i went and looked at the size of of the rest of the map that i had to unlock in act three and it was so daunting i immediately put the game down for a little (laughs) bit longer Um, right Right. Miles is like you just you could just fly through the through the entire yeah, story in like twelve hours. Yeah, right? it's like eight to twelve hours to like just yeah. mainline the story. Maybe even less than that, honestly, and feels so good the whole time. Every story mission rules, uh, and every narrative bit is like just incredible. 
so like yeah i I highly recommend uh dear developers making games of this length because it's perfect it's perfect Uh, i mean especially for you and me i mean for you and me it's really difficult to play as many things as we do um sure it it gets down to like scheduling what game we're playing when but like having a game that's this short i think really works to its advantage when you're trying to tell a story that is about something uh and has a bunch of themes you want to explore but like you don't want to overstay your welcome um it's great it's really good yeah i i think there's a pretty common like there's a growing perspective of like less being more in some ways yeah. you know we saw that a little bit with um outer worlds last year being this kind of like yeah uh, sort of shout out to 2010 rpgs like fallout and mm-hmm. you know whatever um and that game like had a fixed amount of locations that were only so big and the story was like 20 hours you know you could kind of but it was up to you if you wanted to go back and play it a different way and all that and you know i think that's that was kind of a good uh example of a game like kind of showing what you could do with um intention versus like maybe too much ambition to the point of like yeah being overstuffed and i also understand like i think um you and i were talking about how like i don't know what the stat is i found i found different results but the average games purchase per year for the average citizen is much lower than i think you and i would guess yeah people who are like more focused on the industry would guess and again that's not like not qualifying that as good or bad but I think when the industry is looking at, okay, if people only buy, you know, five games a year, we got to make yeah. sure that there's a lot of games here. It's just to be clear, it's one to two games. Like the average person buys one to two games per year. Uh, yeah. Which like if, yeah, I, with the point you're about to make, I, I think is spot on, which is like, if you're a person who only buys two games a year, the idea that Cyberpunk 20, what is it? 2077 or is it 2099? It's 77. <laughs> 2077. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah. The, the idea that Cyberpunk 2077 is going to be 130 hours even if you're not trying to like 100 complete it i think says a lot to that specific consumer right like that specific sure. person is going to be like hell yeah i'm getting my money's worth because the game is so long um and if you think about video games in that in those terms and like yeah cyberpunk is going to be great and assassin's creed valhalla is perfect you know even though it's for me like way too long that, that yeah. like that's a game that i just like can't in good conscience pick up because i know i'm never going to see enough of it to like actually think about it uh, in the way that i'd want to and weirdly and, though yeah. there are some games where i can easily like animal crossing i have over 300 hours in, yes you know yeah. and that <laughs> so, has yeah. not that has not been a conscious effort on my part it has right. happened and i think i'm not alone like I, I i checked that the switch friend list okay i see what you're all doing you're all playing <laughs> animal crossing um so yeah i think that like the games like that especially like life sims i think that's why persona doesn't feel i think honestly i think persona could benefit from being shorter but i don't think it feels like as laborious as a another game being 100 hours would because it has that like i'm just gonna hang out with my friends this week you know and mm-hmm. it has that sort of stardew valley vibe to it sometimes yeah so yeah i i think i i get why that has been the norm for so long and i think too last generation was sort of like the norm for a triple a game was a giant open world game i wouldn't be surprised honestly and i don't have a lot of evidence to back this up but our show is a strange source of magic i can't quite place mm-hmm. that brings things into reality I do think that I could see a lot of the Xbox exclusives that aren't the big shooters being more of this like 10 to 20 hour story game, you know, like the medium that's coming out. I could see that game being something like that. Yeah, I, um, you are. I, I think you're spot on. I think that's that's the kind of 
thing that Microsoft is really aiming for with Game yeah. Pass, right? They want it to be Netflix adjacent. They want you to be able to like download the big release of that month and get it so you have time to play whatever the next one is. You know, that's like sure. I think that's like literally what they're aiming for. I'll be interested to see if the rest of the industry follows suit. And I think for the most part, it probably will specifically because games are getting so expensive to make. Yeah. Like it is so wildly expensive to make a game that is like considered to be triple A these days that I, I, I think like focusing on making a, a shorter and, and more, uh, I guess, like considered game is the kind of thing that's going to become like the only way to make a game in a fiscally responsible manner for studios yeah, it's it's become unsustainable to like yeah. try to make a skyrim every few months you know and that, that's like, why you have like you know games are getting increased to 70 dollars this generation but on top of that they also include like microtransactions and dlc and stuff you know like they have to include all that so, like not to not to be like oh yeah it's great that games are getting more expensive to buy <laughs> I can't wait and to like i love this. all the microtransactions but like that's why that stuff exists is because yeah. it's so expensive to make games that 60 dollars does not cover it whatsoever so you're in this really weird spot where it's like something has to change somewhere right now the way that that's changed is they've decided to raise the price of everything and include microtransactions but i do think there's a a maybe more responsible way to do it which is closer to what microsoft is doing with xbox game studios which is like pay these studios to make things that are shorter more interesting for for uh that that you can like drop in and drop out of you know download for a week and get it done and then get rid of it Um, yeah and going back to miles too i think that's a perfect example of like you know how to do it especially how to do like a triple a game it's like let's show off like a cool thing that's kind of pushing the medium a bit and i think too specifically for what the spider-man series is doing is like they're building their own uh spider lore you know for the playstation games and i I will ask does miles take place in winter the whole time yes i don't know why i love that so much but i love (laughs) i tweeted this but i love the idea of each game being a different season again i'm gonna i'm gonna place my bets of a spider gwen game in the spring that just feels correct Mm. uh but anyway i i'm very excited to see more of miles i've been really enjoying it even in the first couple hours yeah it's very good i i highly recommend checking it out it will be on my top 10 i'll say that much (gasps) me (laughs) cool you want to you want to move on and talk about uh this this week's biggest game release (laughs) you know i do all right let's take a break and we'll come back sounds good goodbye bye this goatee adjacent episode wouldn't be complete without the the biggest contender i think the biggest dark horse for both of our lists a game that you have been streaming on our twitch uh for the past two fridays i believe um and i have also been playing dragon age origins yes uh, a 2009 hit uh coming at you in 2020 not even not even a hit really right no it was a hit it was it i mean i think like dragon age has always kind of been in mass effect shadow a little bit but like and i think too compared to other big fantasy series like maybe more of a cult following but like it definitely was well received i just don't know how i missed it i think is my big thing because like (laughs) i am so the target audience for this game and i had an xbox at the time and i sure didn't get this game so i mean it's not a it's not a huge wonder why you and maybe others missed dragon age origins because it came out 2009 so it's like early in the xbox like 
lifespan. I think Mass Effect came out like a year before, which like got way more attention because that was like, yeah. okay, here's Bioware making like a new IP. They're no longer, you know, doing the Star Wars stuff with Knights of the Republic. Um, but they're definitely like kind of making this like Frankenstein homage of sci-fi and like going in this really exciting direction. Because that was also like 2008, 2009. That's when the first Uncharted came out. That was like when games were really trying to be more cinematic. Right. It's actually a great game maker's toolkit. I think it's called the shared experience of Commander Shepard. And this is something that I think we'll talk about a lot when we go back to Dragon Age Origins, because um, Mass Effect is a game that's all about, as other Bioware RPGs are, it's all about player choice, dialogue choices, you know, your your actions have consequences, all that kind of stuff. But in Mass Effect, you are this character that is kind of pre-written. So like, yeah. uh, I think I mentioned this when we talked about Divinity Original Sin 2, where like, in my head, there's this sort of scale of like, how much creative agency do you have over the player character? So, you know, like on the far right where you don't have any agency, it'd be like an Uncharted. Like Nathan Drake is going to be Nathan Drake no matter how you play it. Mm-hmm. All the way on the left, I would put Divinity. That game <laughs> truly lets you do anything. Like there are no rails in that game. Yeah. You can make a character who can talk to ghosts and animals and you could talk to a ghost of a cow and that feels like it should have happened even though it maybe <laughs> didn't in most people's playthroughs. Yeah. I think Disco Elysium is probably another game that's like that, which you and I still haven't played, unfortunately. I know. I, I've been kicking myself. That's that's a big to-do. I, I really want to play that game. So those games are, are, are kind of, you know, full choice. And I would say Dragon Age is like just to the right of that. Like, it's not like Mass Effect where Shepard only kind of has three or four shades to them. The, the protagonist of Dragon Age Origins in particular, the Grey Warden, can really be whoever you want them to and the only real rails are like that you have to follow the beats of the main plot but your interpretation your reaction to them are are very open and i think we'll talk more about that but basically dragon age origins is a game where it's sort of like i would compare origins to final fantasy 9 in the sense that it feels like a swan song to that developer's older style of game. Mm. You know, with Final Fantasy, they dropped Final Fantasy 9 and 10 a year apart. And 9 was like purposely retro in that it was sort of pulling from the design and the tropes from like Final Fantasy 6 and prior. Yeah. Whereas 10 was very much what they were interested in doing next. And you can see that, I think, with Mass Effect and Dragon Age Origins, where Mass Effect is like really gearing up the cinema. You know, everything kind of feels like you're watching this like epic movie, this this side trilogy and and origins feels like you're playing D&D like and it is so okay with being as video gamey as possible with like not worrying about immersion or like you know like anything (laughs) like that it's really okay with like kind of showing the skeleton of being a game right yeah I I would say that I would say that Mass Effect feels like the Bioware that I think of when I think of Bioware because like that's that was my first Bioware game was Mass Effect Um, and this game feels like the Bioware that maybe people who grew up on KOTOR or like played KOTOR when that came out uh, think of when they think of Bioware there's like the two versions of Bioware and now there's a third version of Bioware which is like the Anthem version which we don't even need to talk about but (laughs) I would say like before Anthem and all that stuff like there were two versions of Bioware there was the Nice the Old Republic version and there was the Mass Effect version and this feels yeah. like the nice the old republic version um it really helps that earlier in the summer i played a whole bunch of nice the old republic and like and you loved it yeah yeah i had a really good time with it i didn't i didn't like continue it i didn't finish it i i might eventually i still have that save and i have that downloaded on my xbox so like i could go back and i could do that but i will say if 
you're cool talking about Dragon Age Origins now. Like, oh, yeah. For real, for real. Dragon Age Origins, like, so picks up the baton of what I liked about Knights of the Old Republic and takes it to a completely different level. Like, this is all stuff that maybe just, like, wasn't possible or, like, they didn't think they could do when they did Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2, even down to, like, the mechanics of the thing. I mean, just mechanically, this game feels still really fresh in a way that I wasn't expecting. I would totally. say, like, of everything that this game does, literally everything, like, top to bottom, the only thing that I, I would say, like, people might have a problem with if they went and downloaded it right now, it's on Game Pass, if they downloaded it right now uh, and, and played it, is, like, the UI. Like, the UI just looks dated. It looks like Oblivion-era, you know, st- there's a lot of Oblivion-era stuff going on here. Yeah, but, there's like, a lot uncanny valley going on for sure it it just it just specifically looks like the kind of user interface that would have been designed in 2007 to 2009 outside of that this game feels so like surprisingly modern at times um and even does things that i think a lot of games say they do and then end up not delivering on um the, the big thing that you and i talked about a little bit the other day is is this idea that like I'm, I don't remember the marketing for this game because I don't remember this game at all from when it came out. But <laughs> shadow drops. Yeah. If, if I if I had to guess, I would say that the marketing of this game really hit home the idea that you can make a lot of choices that will change the game in like a big way. It's a it's a lot of it's a lot of focus on player agency. I'm sure is what the marketing was going for. A lot of games say that exact thing. A lot of games talk about the idea that the player can choose their outcome, choose their path, and that the game will react to those choices. But not a lot of games deliver on that even mass effect i would say to a certain extent is like are you playing as paragon or renegade or are you doing somewhere in between and you can make choices that will like pretty drastically change that stuff but as you're saying or as you said earlier you're still playing as commander Shepard. you're still yeah. like playing like a pretty pre-written kind of role it's just a lot of like yes or no checks you know that, that you're deciding here dragon age origins right off the bat i was like i'm gonna poke at the edges of this and see what's possible and found ways to accomplish things that I didn't even think were going to be possible and things that I was shocked to see in a video game, much less a video game from 2009. I think just as a, a really easy example, right at the beginning, so I'm playing as an elf mage. Right at the beginning, you do this thing that's called the harrowing, which is like this test that you have to take to prove that you're like a mage that's good enough to like live in the circle of magic, you know, all this, all this fantasy stuff, whatever. Right after I do that whole bit in the beginning, I was like, cool, that was like a good intro. I know how to play the game now. Not a lot of decision making going on during the harrowing. You're just like learning how to cast spells and like kill things. You're, you're talking to a bunch of uh, NPCs and like learning how the dialogue options work, but you're not really yeah. making a lot of choices there. It's very Sandman-esque. You're in this kind of ethereal realm called the Fade. Where... Yeah, you're talking to demons and stuff. There's like a demon yeah. bear who like sounds like Winnie the Pooh, like plus 500 <laughs> years. A... Uh, <laughs> the sloth demon, yeah, the sloth bear is like, oh, I'm tired, go away, mortal. I yeah. might eat you. Yeah. <laughs> think, 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 yes. think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, so like that, that's all the harrowing stuff. But then immediately outside of the harrowing, it's like, congrats, you've joined the circle of magi. Good job. Really great. And your friend who is like living in this mage's tower with you has Jowen? not yet done. What, what was that? Jowen. Yes. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Jowen. Yeah. Cool. cool. Um, y- your friend Jowen, who has not yet done. I'm not that. trying to flex that I remember Jowen. Just, I just wanted to verify. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jowen? Yeah, I know him. I know the guy. Your, your friend Jowen has not yet done the harrowing, has not done this thing, is, is not allowed into the circle of magi yet. And quickly, this is, I, I'm sorry for spoiling the beginning of Dragon Age Origins. 
uh, the mage, the yeah, the, yeah. the mage origin specifically. But Jowen finds out that uh, they're not going to let him do the harrowing. Instead, they're going to turn him into. I just forgot that word for it. A tranquil. A tranquil. They're going to turn him into a tranquil, which means they're going to wipe away his like desires and dreams and emotions. He's not going to be able to. He's essentially just like a lifeless husk it's of a person. Kind of a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's honestly horrifying. It is. Yeah. And like immediately, I was like, okay, the the magi suck. I hate them. They're terrible. <laughs> that they would do this to anyone says a lot about them as like a society of people. But anyway, he's like, hey, I just found out they're going to turn me into a tranquil. You have to help me escape from here before they do that. And that's going to involve us like breaking into this one area and like removing this ability that they have to track different mages. I'm not going to get into like the gritty details of it. But essentially, he's saying, I want you to help me escape from this place. And I immediately thought, cool. I wonder if I can subvert this somehow because this is a game that feels like it's really going to focus on player choice and I want to see if there's a way to like undo this or like this first big tutorial quest line that they're trying to send me on. Let's see if I could do something else here and immediately went to the head of the circle of Magi and was like, hey, this guy wants to escape. He's going to break into this place. He's going to wipe away the tracking. (laughs) I ratted him out immediately. (laughs) I I just wanted to see if the game would let me do it and it sure did. And the guy was like, all right, here's my plan for you. Go follow their plan to the letter. Do everything that they ask. But right at the end, I'm going to show up with a whole bunch of Templar and we're going to just like wipe the floor with this guy. We're just going to kill him on the spot. I was like, that sounds really horrifying, but I guess that's how my game is going to start because I decided to make this choice Um, because I'm I'm not the with this game specifically. I'm not going to save and, you know, like try out all the different options. I'm just going to commit to every decision that I make. So I was like, all right, whatever. I I checked to see if this was possible. And it was I have some regrets because now this guy's going to die instead of becoming a tranquil, which would at least allow him to live but you know whatever i'll make i'll make the choice i made the choice i'm gonna live with it so i went through the thing and and they let me do it you know like they actually did show up at the end and they tried to kill him and it was like horrifying it was a horrifying scene i won't spoil that part and onward but it was like a a horrifying scene yeah thing yeah um and i know i know for a fact just like based on how that played out that if i hadn't ratted them out i think that scene would have ended similarly it seems like it would have ended in kind of a similar way but That said, the fact that the game let me do that is more player agency, I think, than a lot of games actually uh, are are able to execute on these days. I agree. I mean, I think one of the big things that really helps is the fact that your protagonist is not voiced. I think yeah. that, you know, we, we saw that with Fallout 4, the minute they voiced the protagonist, the player choice was severely limited because you can't realistically make them say all the lines of dialogue that would be available to you in maybe a Fallout New Vegas or Dragon Age Origins. Yeah. Could there be a way to do that? Of course. I mean, Hades has shown that there's no limit to how much <laughs> dialogue you can have in a game and make it like make sense, which is like setting it almost unfair precedent totally but i think you're right that like dragon age origins and that's why on stream i've often said that this is a game that really shines when you've played it a couple times Mm. you know when i first played it i wasn't really like pulled in right away i was this feels kind of like archetype generic fantasy it's not as exciting of a world as mass effect i don't really like the characters as much and i was playing when i first played the game i played as a very borderline evil character this is badass rogue who just did not give a shit uh when i met that corrupt merchant she just punched him in the face killed him and took his money and like what's great is that there's not really a moral system like paragon or renegade as much as there is characters in your party will approve or disapprove of your actions right and all the characters you can recruit are pretty archetypal like D alignments so one of the first characters you get is alistair who is a templar who is like very Nathan Drake. He's very quippy. He seems to be like, there are versions of this game where you might really like Alistair and he might be like your main bud. 
there are versions of this game where you might hate Alistair and you could sell him out, you know, uh, yeah. which I won't get into. But like <laughs> characters leaving your party, um, either by your decision or by them being like, I'm so sickened by how you're caring about your business that I'm going to book it. I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. You know, the first you get are Morgan, who's like a very kind of uh, morally gray witch basically yeah um and alistair and they like are constantly arguing they've got a really fun like they do. They, yeah or i party. really like the two of them together yeah and like there are times where like you might really agree with one over the other even if you largely identify with a certain character and it's kind of embodied in the very beginning you meet king Kalen, who's this like very likable guy but he's like a little too naive he's very idealistic and kind of thinks he's like in a fantasy rpg yes um next to him is logan who's like a disney villain yeah. who's like you know very Logan comes off cartoonishly evil but as the game progresses he becomes a very fascinating character which I won't spoil but like oh okay if you look at Logan in the trilogy one of the coolest examples of like a player not only player choice but player interpretation could really make Logan's story play out tremendously differently interesting so yeah keep, keep your eye on him um, and he's of course aided by Tim Curry who is incredible uh, yeah his like underling who is literally a Disney villain is tim curry that's great uh, you know and i think this game does you know you, you mentioned that you play the circle of magi origin also worth noting that the game uh lets you choose like when you make your character you can choose like, okay am i human am i elf am i a dwarf very classic DD shit uh and then you choose your class there are six origins that determine the first hour or two of the game but not only that they honestly carry through the rest of the game there always will be like unique dialogue if you're an elf if you're a mage characters will respond to you differently i'm playing as a dwarf noble and i love it i'm having the best time of my life <laughs> um and i think what's even cooler is that depending on what your origin is the game is basically set up where there's this threat of dark spawn they're basically orcs and the dark spawn are going to uh because the gray wardens drink the blood of dark spawn they can sense the archdemon they can sense when dark spawn are arriving and the gray wardens alone know that a blight is coming despite a lot of people feigning ignorance a blight is coming and there are ancient treaties that the gray wardens have with all of the different uh, societies so with the elves with the dwarves and with various human cities they can pull these like old documents to be like you contractually have to help fight the dark <laughs> the spawn blights, with yeah. the gray wardens because yeah. there's a blight coming so the game is framed with like you were forced to become a gray warden and that's also what's brilliant even though you that's like the one thing that has to happen you have to become a gray warden but your excitement about that or repulsion about that is totally up to you you know there's a lot the game does that might make you feel i mean as the title would suggest gray it's not subtle there's a very <laughs> open interpretation to like what being a gray warden means to you right and i mean a lot of characters are united in this idea that like you just don't want a blight to happen even the most evil characters might be like yeah i don't want the world to be wiped out i got <laughs> shit i got schemes to do man i don't yeah. want that to happen so it's just a really brilliant framing device that lets all the cooler stuff happen underneath it so you know the characters you recruit like all have very different points of view they'll always kind of speak their mind on major decisions one of my favorite characters is sten who is like a kunari uh and the kunari society are like very 1994 they're very much like a collective over the individual mm. sort of society but like to its extreme and Sten's point of view is kind of aided by that where he sees things like not in a malicious way but in a very like concrete like this is either correct or not way yeah and like Mass Effect you depending on how 
well you get along with characters, you can kind of nudge them a little bit. You can kind of see that Sten might have a softer side. Mm. You can see that Morgan maybe is capable of trust. You can see that Alistair might be more malicious than he comes off, you know, depending on how you play it. And there's really a real piece of shit already. I mean, Templars suck. Templars are magic cops, basically. Like, yeah. they suck. There's no, no matter what character I play, I never ally with the Templars. Fuck the Templars. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I said th- this th- on my own stream yeah. yesterday, but like, my experience with this game so far is that every single society, every single societal structure that I've come into contact with is horrible in some way oh, yeah. so far. I haven't, I haven't I, met a single group of people that I'm like, these are, these are good, except for like the like, uh, villagers whose town burned down who are like just trying to survive and thrive. Yeah. And, like, those are the only people that I trust and think have. I mean, you're right. You know, yeah. the dwarves have a very strict class system. So, like, when you choose to play as a dwarf, you can either be a dwarf noble or a dwarf commoner. Oh, wow. And, like, in that beginning, you talk to people, like, you meet these two women who are like clearly looking for husbands of a certain class so they can marry into it. Yeah. And, like, your buddy Gorham, who is like amazing. I couldn't, in, in the first stream, like, I was having some tech issues, so I couldn't hear what he was saying. Thing. Dwarf Noble begins with Gorm just laying it on thick. He is flirting <laughs> the fuck out of you, you know. And he's just like, it's so funny that I couldn't hear that. And I was just answering like the flirtiest option each time. <laughs> but he's a warrior class, so he's like kind of in the middle. Whereas you're a noble, and like a lot. Of, once you get to Orzammar, there's a lot of stuff with that. And that's what I was kind of mentioning earlier. Is like in addition to the beginning of the game and the unique dialogue, as you as the Great Warden are going to all these different places, you're going to have a very different response going back to the Circle of Magic when you started there than you would as a dwarf noble and same right. with me going like I've been banished from Orzammar and I even told Alice that I'm like, I can't go back to Orzammar like yeah. that's a, and he's like well you have to because you're a great warden <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff like that but yeah like in terms of the societal issues like every the dwarves had the really backwards class system um, the elves are very interesting because elves are like really treated horribly everywhere and a lot of elves who live in the city as like second class citizens dream about being in the Dalish settlements the Dalish Dalish elves are the elves that live in the forest and like what they view is like that's where I want to be. But the Dalish elves have their own shit going on too. They're attacked by werewolves constantly. <laughs> can you ally with the werewolves? You sure can, man. I did it and it was great. <laughs> uh, this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about though. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure you show up in the elves. I haven't done this side quest yet, but I'm sure you show up in the elf settlement and they're like, we're being uh, terrorized by werewolves. You have to help us. And I'm sure you just went over there and like decided to chat up a werewolf instead of attack them. Right. Like I'm sure it's really that simple. If you just, I mean, yeah, if you just want to push against the like stated quest line, I think it's really easy to do that in almost every instance I've found so far. I tend to play as a pretty good character, but like, <laughs> it's kind of funny when I was playing as my like very chaotic borderline evil character, the, the badass rogue, I went to that village and there was like a sub quest where this, this elf was like, I want to tell this young woman that I love her, but I don't know what to say. And one of the options was like, I'll teach you how to fuck. Let's go to a bush. And like, oh like you, just, you just go off screen with him. And he was like, wow, that was crazy. <laughs> what this happened? And then I went and told his love what happened. And she's like, I can't believe he just fucked you in a bush. And she goes over and slaps him. Oh my God. And then the whole village was like, how dare you interfere in such an awful way? <laughs> Which like, yeah, they're right. That was so not cool to do. But at that point I was like, all right, everyone here hates me. I'm going to side with the werewolves. And then like, that was just like, us <laughs> running 
like back to camp with like a bunch of werewolves. It was so brutal. And but what's really funny is like as you get these allegiances, you know, you're like the equivalent of the Mass Effect ship is your campsite, which like you can enter. That's where I think the writing really shines. That's where the cast shines. Where like you can kind of sit down all these characters and kind of have like a very deep one on one with them. One of my favorite characters is Win, who's one of the mages of the circle, and she's like probably like one of the few like really good likable good-hearted characters um i think you'll like her a lot mm. alistair is set up to be that but you can kind of bump up against certain things with him and he's like very judgmental of what you do like if you really stray off any kind of his like gray warden or templar stuff he's like kind of goes off he sucks already though the the, the first <laughs> moment that you play that alistair joins your party you go out like into the wilds uh, and you find like a guy who's bleeding and almost dead. He's just like a he's like a guy who worked at the same camp as you and he's like bleeding and almost dead. And Alistair shows up. He's like, ha ha, not so dead. Are we at this guy who clearly needs help? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I hate this guy immediately. <laughs> I don't care. He, there's no way to redeem yourself after being so shitty to an almost dead guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of great characters. And again, like your like of them will change depending on how you're playing um, i didn't get very far with that chaotic character because it was just like so it, i was like playing so atypical of how i usually do just like you said to see the edges of the game yeah that's the thing though like i yeah. i think that that's a little bit more common for you is to like kind of role play a little bit more as the characters that you make if, I, if i'm not mistaken with like oh, most, yeah, of ga- yeah. most games like this that is so not my thing ever whenever i play rpgs and games like this it's always about putting myself in the shoes of the player character it's always about making the decisions that i would make if i was in that situation that is so not the case with this game and i don't know what it is but this is the first time ever that i've played a game that has player choice like this where i'm not making the choice that i would make but i'm making the choice that i think my character that i created would make and that has made for a wildly interesting experience yeah i mean well while while streaming my dwarf i mean i think i'm like a little bit closer to playing as myself with my uh with my dwarf warrior who i love she's great Mm -hmm. but I often, like, when I'm choosing a dialogue thing, often on stream, I'll be like, okay, like, this is her first, like, she has just gotten to the surface. Like, how would she internalize this yes. right now? And I think it's because, I mean, as the title suggests, the reason the game is called Origins is because the origin of your character sets the whole rest of the game. You know, like, you're going to always carry with you what the first two hours of this game are. Yeah. Because they so clearly set up what your role in society is. Yeah. Like, as a, as an elf mage, my origin was I have to immediately start with a trial that might kill me. <laughs> and then I <laughs> right. get out. And they're like, congratulations, you joined the circle of magi. You didn't fucking die. Isn't that great? Uh, and then immediately you're sold into the employ of the Grey Wardens, who then make you take another trial that might kill you. And yeah. that is that's, that was the first opening, like, two hours of my game was two trials by fire where i might have died and that is gonna drastically change the vibe of the person i would have to say and i think it also makes later moments of the game like ring stronger so like when you go back to the circle magi it's gonna be really cool like as a city elf when you go back to denerum and have your revenge that's awesome Mm. you know the dalish opening actually goes a little bit more into where the dark spawn came from so like you might have a better idea of like why this blight is happening yeah every origin has its has its really interesting point of view i think my favorite honestly the magi one is great and there's one where you're introduced to tim curry's character right away i think it's as the human noble Mm. you get the dog right away and you meet tim curry right away so what else (laughs) do you want but as you get these allegiances you know so once you finish the circle of magi you know you can either ally with the templars or the the mages and a representative will hang out at your camp 
So like, what's really cool is that this is all gearing up towards the final battle. And when you get to the final battle, depending on what armies have allied with you, you can summon them in the radial menus. You're like, I want to summon the werewolves and they'll all show up (laughs) and fight with you. Uh, But what's so funny that I can't get over, I'm sure I mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating until I fade away from this realm. If you ally with the werewolves, there's just a werewolf that hangs out at your camp. And there's a box, like a charity box, where you can give each representative of the army like supplies so that when you do some of them, they'll be even better. So the mages will be like, can you give us like runes or whatever? Yeah. The elves will be like, can you give us arrows? When you try to give the werewolves stuff, he's like, well, we're werewolves, so we don't need anything. We got claws. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny to me. I was like, no, th- you're very generous, but I'm totally fine just being a werewolf. I don't need, I don't need elf fruit or copper pieces. Thanks. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's an incredible game. I'm really glad you're enjoying it. I think it is like kind of still a pinnacle of player choice. You know, I think if, if I had to say one thing about this game is that it's still like a gold standard for that. And I think only really aped by games like Divinity and like, I would imagine, Disco Elysium in terms mm-hmm. of like really letting you write your own story. And in that way, it shares so much with D&D. Like this is really D&D the game. You said this on your stream, like this is just D&D. And yeah. it, like it very much is. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm loving it so much. And honestly, Divinity Original Sin is a game that like I enjoyed in theory. Uh, and then the more I tried actually playing it, the more I was like, they're actually giving me so many options. that I don't even know what to do or like thing. why I yeah. care. Uh, and, and I bounce off it and I know that's that game exists for a very specific kind of player. And like that game is, is one that is like truly beloved by that audience, but it was way too much for me. I mean, that, that is too much choice. This is hitting like a perfect sweet spot for me. It's like exactly where I want it to be. I really liked divinity and I'm sure if, if I go back to it with like a stronger knowledge of how that game works, like I think that's a game that probably takes like a few characters to really land, you know? Yeah. I respect the shit out of that game, but I think like you said, Dragon Age Origins is like just a little bit more on the rails to like let you feel the weight of your choices more than if it's like you know it's like going to a diner and the menu being too huge um (laughs) yeah it's the same stress you get if there are only two options right okay like i need like a somewhere in the middle would be ideal yeah if you just had breakfast and the burger section that would actually be enough for me that's all i want let's see eggs benedict or burger oh no what am i gonna choose (laughs) so yeah good game I'm excited. Do you think you're going to stream it again or do you think that was just like a one and done thing? I don't know if I'll stream it again. I'm definitely going to play it again. I'm definitely going to yeah. keep playing it. I might play it for the rest of the day today, honestly, because I have really no- nothing else I'm doing. So, hell yeah. Uh, I, think I will definitely continue my stream. I don't know if it's going to be the whole game, but I definitely would at least like to do like a couple of the sections in the map. Yeah. You and I are around so. the same spot now, right? Yeah, you're ju- like, so the game, like you do your origin and then you go to uh, Ostagar, the, the battle happens, you go to Lothering. And once you get at, you're like right about at the end of Lothering. Once you get out of Lothering, you go to camp and you can choose where to go to first. Cool. So you can actually go to any of those areas I kind of mentioned. You can go to the elves first. You can go to the dwarves first. You can go to the Circle of Magi. Alistair's like, we should go to Redcliffe because I love Arl Eamon. And you're like, all right, Alistair, I'm going to go to the Circle of Magi first so I can get Win, my healer. <laughs> there are areas that like you probably shouldn't go to first like if you go to if you go to Denerim, which is like where Loghain is <laughs> it's not a good idea to go there first yeah um my, my party members keep saying that because i keep every time they bring it up i'm like yeah i'm gonna go kill Loghain immediately <laughs> and they're yeah. like okay well you know 
he's got a whole ass army protecting him. Yeah, it's a little rough. And what's cool, though, is that whenever you travel somewhere, there's like a marker of blood that shows you traveling to that new location. Just like, all right, cool. Edgy. Big, yeah, big focus on blood in this game in a way that I was not expecting. When you when you turn the game on, the Bioware logo is dripping with blood. It's like, really? Yeah. Even here? <laughs> <laughs> that that's i honestly don't know if the marketing of this game was about player choice i think they were billing it as like an edgy fantasy game which it totally isn't like yeah. it's as like D D as you get there's nothing edgy about yeah this the game. only the only place where i could see it actually being edgy is the thing that you and i can't stop laughing about whenever we're both oh playing God. it which is anytime you complete a battle and then go into a conversation all of your party members are still covered in blood yeah uh, or like maybe still on fire uh there is a moment of your <laughs> stream where you're recruiting Liliana like there's a bar brawl and then it cuts and the guys okay okay you win and Liliana's on fire she's like the maker told me to ally with you you know in her like French accent but she's just like burning and they're like yeah join the team and yeah and she's she's fully on fire like all of those (laughs) all of those effects my character is constantly shedding stone because I I use like a stone skin spell on myself yeah Uh, and and it just looks like she has a lot of dandruff she's like she's like smoking (laughs) and and there's a bunch of like dandruff falling from her at all times uh i can also like uh make it so all of my party members swords are on fire so their backs are just on fire the whole time and like it's so hilarious to see to everyone right just covered in yeah. blood and like try and like smooch another npc or something it's like <laughs> hilarious it is so funny and i know that they thought that it was like a like a cool edgy thing to do because it was 2009 and call of duty modern warfare was two years old at that point <laughs> And you got to compete with with uh, COD MW. uh, But man, does it just add to the silliness of this game? They've definitely stepped away from that with like, I haven't played Dragon Age 2, but Inquisition is much more comfortable like just being like a fantasy game that's more on par with like what you'd expect. You know, it's not trying to be edgy. I mean, edgy meaning like, you know, blood, new metal, cool. Like it's not that. It's never been that. But yeah, 2009, they have to do something. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, I I did try and play Dragon Age Inquisition at one point. I was playing it for the show and like I just super bounced off of it and this one really sucked me in immediately. So if you have Game Pass, I highly recommend downloading yeah. this game and giving it a shot cuz it is wild. I mean, you'll know it's pretty quickly one. if you like it. Yeah, it's it's definitely I mean, I liked Inquisition quite a bit. I think I mentioned it in Games of the Decade. I might be more interested I, in checking out Inquisition if I play more Origins, you know? I think Inquisition really requires i mean it's the third it's not like a trilogy in a mass effect way where like you're shepherd the whole time and your decisions carry through but if you play origins dragon age 2 and inquisition whenever the game starts you can choose like what major choices happen so there's a canon that can like spread through the trilogy that's cool which is really interesting yeah so like i think inquisition is a hard one to start with because it really benefits from like there are so many moments where a character will show up from a like morgan shows up you know and it's supposed to be like (gasps) you know um was um but dragon age 2 wasn't very well received right um i think it is now i've talked to a lot of big bioware fans i've even mentioned that on the stream because i I haven't played it i I think i downloaded it on it's also on game pass they're all on game pass or ea play but you know by extension yeah dragon age 2 came out and dragon age 2 gets the mass effect treatment so in dragon age 2 the protagonist is named hawk they have to be a human um you can choose what class and and their gender but you have to be a human named hawk and there's like a mass effect 
effect dialogue wheel. So I think a lot of people who loved Origins, who like were very much into this sort of like swan song of the Kodor style, yeah. saw Dragon Age 2 at the time as being like the EAification of Dragon Age. You know, right, they were right, making right. it more cinematic. From what I've heard, it's still a great game. Like it's definitely probably not as strong in terms of player choice, but I've heard it's got a great story. It's got a good cast. And the framing device is interesting because the whole game is uh, two characters who are in Inquisition in your party, Cassandra and um, the dwarf. I forgot his name. Isn't it fun doing this podcast? <laughs> yeah. <it is>. <laughs> <laughs> How many podcasts are talking about Dragon Age Origins this week? I wonder. One. But it's, it's <laughs> the thing is, it's still a game. Like when we said we were streaming it, people were excited. Like, it's it's still yeah. it's still got a following and people are still excited for a new one because I think Inquisition was the last even though I don't, I don't think it was quite as strong as Origins Inquisition was the last game Bioware made that was like true <laughs> to their brand name you know yeah. like that game like did what you want a Bioware game to do and since then they haven't uh, I, Andromeda has its fans but it, there hasn't been a game as like universally well received yeah so but yeah Dragon Age 2 is is uh the dwarf uh, who's a novelist and kind of a rogue. Uh, he's being interrogated by Cassandra, who I think is a Templar. Or no, she's she's a soldier of the Chantry. Anyway, <laughs> the whole game is like something really bad happened. Something like crazy went wrong. And Cassandra's getting the story out of the dwarf. So mm-hmm. like, that's the frame. It's kind of like, like uh, Persona 5. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> you, you know, you mind melt. Yeah, so yeah, it's cool, man. It's honestly like, I think at a surface level, when you start Origins, you're gonna be like, this is so fucking generic this is so like lord of the rings you know it's not very exciting but the more you learn about the world i think they've done a really cool stab at a fantasy world that like really does feel like its own thing yeah um and that's inquisition does really well it's been really interesting playing as a mage specifically because the mages oh yeah the mages in this world are like really really feared to the point where all of the mages have been kind of rounded up and put in like a tower and they have to live in the tower until they complete the harrowing which i mentioned earlier if they complete the harrowing that still doesn't mean that they're allowed to leave generally like you still have to work your way up in the circle of magi and like continue living in this tower and that's the whole world that they know and i've had a really interesting experience like starting with that and knowing all of that and then immediately being thrust out of the tower and finding the open world be like oh wow i can finally see what the world is all about the real world outside of just the tower it turns out the real world mostly sucks too so it's like okay so okay i don't really want to be here either so what do i do and a lot of my dialogue choices i want to be very clear i really like the world and i really like the game i think this is what i'm thinking my player character is probably thinking in these instances yes but uh but a lot of my choices have been based in that like ideology that like man everyone i've met is like really cruel or really mean or there's some like really horrible shit going on here you know like immediately you walk into that village as you and i were talking about and there's a merchant who's like upped all of his prices because he can and because the people are desperate to buy his stuff uh and as you said you could punch him in the face and just like essentially kill him if you want but i i used my persuasion ability to persuade him to lower his prices which morrigan didn't like and i don't give a shit because i don't really want these people with me either morrigan was thrust into my party alistair yeah, you want and i survived dog. a battle together and that's the only reason we're hanging out yeah I, I just wanted the dog the dog is the only cool person that's the thing it's like it's kind of like in mass effect your party mates are like family you know like they join your team in yes, such a big very way much. um and you are going to like them and dragon age the game is very comfortable with you like wanting to be with any of these people you could actually <laughs> just do it to be you and your dog yeah you know talk 
to anyone, but the game is going to respond to that. You know, like there's a character who, without spoiling, if you, there are two characters where if you don't reach a certain approval rating with them, they will kind of turn on you at the end, mm. which is really fascinating. It can be very heartbreaking. It, it's really open to that. And I think like it is kind of very D&D too, to like it, there's always that struggle of like, how do we justify this group adventuring together? Yeah. And like the game is very thin with that where it's like, okay, like the first three people you get are... A, a guy you survived a battle with, a witch that was handed to you by another witch, <laughs> uh, a dude who was in a cage, and a someone who was on fire and said that they <laughs> that God told them to join your party, right, and a yeah. dog. <laughs> so the dog is the only one that has like a very solid reason for being there. Right. Everyone else is like either Infowars adjacent or like you know just by extension. <laughs> <laughs> I am very fascinated to see what you end up doing as the game progresses because like there there are things I will not spoil that like I I found out playing for the first time that like really left my jaw on the floor of like what is possible and like who could join your team and and why and how. Yeah, I think honestly, I I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but there's some stuff that happens in the story of KOTOR that I think people point to as like peak Bioware. It's like the best Bioware thing that has ever happened. And I, I just... I'm very curious to see how they respond to that level of pressure with this game. And I, I, from what I know of Origins, without really knowing a whole lot about Origins, they do try and match that level a couple times, which is exciting to know that that stuff is somewhere in the story waiting for me. Oh, yeah. And I think, too, just one last note on Origins before we wrap up is that even though you can do like the continued canon between Origins 2 and Inquisition, if you like, because those games are all different enough from each other that you might really like one and not the other two. Origins works very well as a standalone story, mm-hmm. like it way more than I mean, actually, so does Mass Effect 1, weirdly. But like, <laughs> yeah, you can you can drop Origins and be like, that was that story because you don't play as the warden ever again. You play as Hawk and then you play as the inquisitor so like and that's what inquisition does really well is like once you become the inquisitor you can play that role any way you want that's where the game really shines like they give you these and and they go back to the no longer like a good or evil paragon or renegade but like what did the characters think of your actions Mm -hmm. you know and like what's what's another kind of variable is like if you have high enough cunning high enough speech or if you have enough of an approval rating from a character you know alistair might stop you after a mission and be like i can't believe you did that like how can you sleep at night after doing that and that might result in him leaving the party or you might be able to like tell convince him that what you did was justified yeah uh, and, and he may or may not believe you and like that stuff is very compelling yeah that's really cool yeah even just the ambient dialogue between my party members so far oh yeah has been like the exact kind of thing i like desperately want from so many other games weirdly the one that comes to mind uh that like also got it right uh even though it has no player agency no player choice whatsoever is final fantasy 7 remake just walking around with like barrett and tifa and Aerith and stuff uh, and just hearing their like ambient dialogue as you're going from place to place weirdly is the closest analog I can think of to to what it feels like in this game. Yeah, I'm a big fan of ambient chatter, and that was sorely missing in a game like Octopath Traveler, which like, yeah, yeah. you know, like I just was thinking of in terms of like, you know, putting characters together. If they make a um, sequel to that game, that that is like the biggest pain point that I had with it is like, yeah, it's wild that they put so much emphasis on like creating these characters and creating compelling stories for these characters. And then you hang out with them and none of them interact literally at all yeah 
until like part two and they have these very strange spotlight scenes together where yeah. they, they don't make sense anyway <laughs> love that game but that was like that's something that you want in an rpg like the ambient shatter adds so much it yeah. adds so much flavor to the adventure it really that's that's so much more immersive than like blood on you after a battle <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know being yeah. lit on fire while joining the team uh so yeah i i think you'll only continue to enjoy it and i'm excited to keep streaming it it's been a lot of fun yeah I think so too. It's 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 been a really good time. Honestly, you know, as much as we just talked about earlier, uh, this idea that like you and I are revisiting games from throughout the year and trying to put our list together and stuff, it has been nice to kind of like have a bunch of games that I'm playing alongside the 2020 releases. You know, mm-hmm. like th- this is a huge one for me at the moment. Um, Hollow Knight obviously is another big one, but simultaneously, like I'm trying to place Demon Souls on my list at the moment um, and figuring out like does it belong in the top ten? Like where is it if it's in the top ten? But to do that, I'm also playing dark souls 3 and sekiro and i guess technically also hollow knight i would i would rope into that category as well just to see like okay how does it compare to some other souls games yeah um which has been really fascinating so like i don't know there's just a lot going on we're playing a lot of things simultaneously or at least i am just because i have the time to do it i broke my foot kind of not really but like kind of (laughs) i've been wearing a cast for a couple weeks it's like i really have had nothing to do but like sit on a couch or in this chair and like play video games um (laughs) because like doctor's orders which has been you know stay home and play dragon age origins and like it yeah so i've been like i don't know just playing a lot a lot a lot of stuff and it has been really nice it's been really nice that's exciting yeah yeah i'm i'm very excited i know we're nervous but i'm excited for our goatee episode i think we'll we'll probably have a release date for it soon we had i don't think we've settled like on a day for it but we'll let you know especially because we have a we're keeping track of the discords game of the year as well there's a form you can vote for your top five or you can just vote for you know oh you only had to vote for one if you only have like one favorite game this year but I've been keeping track of that as well, which will be announced on the Goatee episode. So yeah, uh, we'll let, you know. let me look up just real quick. What other games are coming out this year? Cyberpunk 2099 on December 10th. Uh huh. Oh my God. December 1st. I completely forgot about this, but the prequel to Remnant from the Ashes is coming out. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, which I'm so excited to play. Uh, that's going to be great. Chronos before the ashes. So it's worth noting. I didn't realize this. It is a like kind of like, I'm not going to say a remaster, but it's like a re-release of a VR only game that was released on Oculus a while ago. Um, It's essentially that studio making like essentially just a straight up Dark Souls game. But like what what would that feel like in VR, Um, which was really well received, if I recall correctly. But they're, you know, taking the VR element out and releasing it on next gen stuff, which is, I think, going to be really cool. I'm really excited to play that. Um, And that's like very soon immortals phoenix rising is coming out soon as well uh, which is the third ubisoft open world game to be released within one month which is kind of a wild thing dragon quest 11s echoes of an elusive age definitive edition for the nintendo switch is also being released for xbox for game pass yeah amazing which is gonna be fun um trying to see if there's anything else in here that's like that I think might shake us up. I mean, Cyberpunk is coming out. I, I think you and I have never really definitively said it on the podcast, but I don't think either of us are getting that game, right? Uh, yeah, it, it would take a lot. I think like it I'm, would take a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not, not. I don't want to like detract from anyone's excitement. I know a lot of people are very excited for that game, but I think like there's been enough that is like put off you and I that for our show we'll probably not cover it unless yeah. it's like everyone is like this is the actually the best thing ever you have to check it out uh maybe sometime next year we could do a retrospect but yeah i think we'll probably skip that yeah it it just doesn't seem like the kind of game that i'm gonna particularly enjoy um like outside like remove all of the like bad pr stuff from the equation 
The thing about it that I think really makes me nervous is that I really hated the the mechanics, like the moment to moment gameplay of The Witcher 3. I thought that game looked incredible. I thought the story was amazing. The writing was great. Yeah. The, the acting was was wildly good. And that was the only thing pulling me through. I really did not enjoy like actively playing that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't have faith personally. And, you know, maybe we'll see in in reviews or whatever, but I don't have a whole lot of faith in their ability to switch from third person action game that I didn't like into a full ass first person shooter. Uh, that that makes me nervous, that jump. Um, so it's going to take a lot. If there is a card game in that game as good as Gwent I may fold and get it yeah, otherwise Netrunner <laughs> The Gathering otherwise I'll be fine <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll see well, I mean like there's a possibility we could very much eat these words but we'll see what happens it could be I another think, Last of Us Part yeah. 2 situation where it's like maybe it's not the right time for us to play but we do it anyway you know if, yeah, if the review yeah, yeah. If, the, if that game comes out and the reviews are like wild you know um, I, I could see us potentially picking it up um, the other yeah, game that so we'll I actually see. think might be like sleeper hit we'll see when it comes out for me potentially is uh john wick hex which is the like <laughs> i know you're laughing but it's 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 a game that i think like might actually be really no, good no 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 i'm not laughing because i think it's i think it's either way it's it was not what i was expecting <laughs> um, i didn't even know that was a thing that's awesome yeah it, it's it's a john wick video game that's like um almost like a turn-based strategy game uh akin to i'm trying to think like an XCOM, but you're oh, only cool. playing as john wick you don't have anyone else in your party <laughs> that's very you're funny. just john like wick that. and you're just going around and doing stuff um very fun that's coming out i think the first week of december and it's by mike biffle who made thomas was alone which is like a weird joke. oh yeah yeah but uh that. that was a great game i don't know i'm interested in checking it out uh if, if it's good if people like it when it when it drops but outside of that there's really not a whole lot left you know like slated for the year so we're pretty much like locked in i think yeah with the stuff that we yeah I, I think so i think we're just in a point of like revisiting and completing games we've already kind of focused on so be exciting but i mean i'm open to being surprised too who knows that uh we have often reversed our stances on stuff once it comes out so yeah we'll see yeah cool i think it's time to wrap up then it's time to wrap up baby uh hey thanks as always for listening um we really appreciate the support we opened the show thanking all of you who have written reviews we've got a bunch of new ones recently really nice to see people take the time to to put their thoughts into words and to see such kind words about the show. We love making it as evidenced by us making a lot of content around the show recently. If you go to Intertecast.online, those are the links for all of our various social media pages. So our Twitter, our Twitch. I've been streaming my playthrough of Dragon Age on Fridays. I'll probably do that again this coming Friday. Again, I don't know if it's going to be the whole game, but I'm going to stream it as long as I enjoy doing it, basically. <laughs> and if there's something else that takes me away, I'll, I'll switch. That's our general but, mantra with the, the podcast also. Like yeah, the, the yeah. Pod- the podcast we're just like playing what we find interesting and talking about whatever we feel like talking about absolutely Uh, um the only thing that could probably switch it up is i'm working on getting potentially like my capture card working from my laptop so once that happens i'll be able to stream from switch which like could be very exciting so that's like kind of up in the air that'll probably not really manifest until next year though if i'm gonna be realistic yeah yeah, otherwise, uh, oh, I think also for our Medium page, I at least am planning on kind of writing out whatever my Game of the Year list is. I'm going to write that out for the Medium and maybe have like some drawings and some like more in-depth like things. Because usually when we do it, we announce like, okay, number 10 is this. 
Well, we'll talk about it for a bit and then move on. I'd love to kind of add to the ceremony by having it in writing and also like maybe be able to dive a little bit deeper into each game and like why it got a place on the list just to sort of celebrate it. And again, this is all a celebration. I just want to celebrate the games we loved. So that's exciting. Uh, and yeah, that's basically it. Um, if you like the show, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. The reviews on Apple Podcasts are obviously very helpful if you feel the need to do that. Got a Patreon. Do not bet the Patreon if it's financial strain. Uh, if you have to pull out your support, if you previously have been paying, we understand. Don't worry about it. Um, but thank you to those who have backed us that lets us get new equipment. It lets us get games that we might be on the fence about. If Cyberpunk comes out and everyone we love is like, get it, you'll love it. We will probably use the Patreon to buy Cyberpunk. It has helped me buy an arm for my mic. It helped me buy a Series S. It will help me get a PlayStation 5. It helps us cover more stuff uh, so we can share more of our excitement with you. And yeah, uh, just thank you all. I, this has been a really fucked up year. Um, but <laughs> yeah. if we have helped you have any kind of joy in a very dark time, that's like why we're here. That's more important than anything else. Absolutely. Yeah. For real, for real. Uh, yeah, we've had a lot of, I think, like outpouring uh, recently, people on Twitter and in the Discord and stuff just like thanking us for making the show. And that's like the most heartwarming <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, look, Steve and I really like making the show. Uh, we wanted to do it for like years before it existed. Uh, it manifested in in a way that I think is like overwhelmingly positive for the two of us. Uh, yeah. I, I, like it's very, very helpful for the both of us to be able to make this show in the first place. The fact that we're helping other people at all in any capacity, even in the smallest of ways as like making doing laundry easier by like putting your <laughs> iPhone on top of the dryer while and listening to it yeah. while it's running. Like even that is is so heartwarming and just like fulfilling, I think, um, as like a person who makes things and puts them out into the world. Uh, so thank you all so much for listening. It really it, it, it's it's spectacular that we have a, a community that has like grown around the show. And honestly, like streaming and posting stuff on YouTube and stuff has really only like aided that and, and helped it grow um, and allows us to like hang out with you all in a way that is like yeah. even beyond what is possible on the discord, which has been like so, so, so cool to see. Um, yeah. And like the more for, we've invested that's, in that's... doing that, which honestly I was just going to mention from a Patreon angle, I could see the next like big purchase for us being probably new capture cards for both of us. Just so we're yeah. like more capable of streaming in, in a better capacity. Cause right now you have one that we're not sure even works in the first place. So we're going to like, <laughs> oops, we're going to like see if we can get it operating. And if not, I think the next step, because I'm using a capture card that's about like six or seven years old at this point um, and is yeah. like really on its last legs. I mean, it, it fails like more frequently than you would think, uh, considering how often I'm streaming. So I'm really hoping that, uh, that that we can get all that stuff fixed. And then like that just allows us to hang out with everybody more and just like make this community even bigger, which is uh, really the goal, I think, is to just like spread as much positivity as possible. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, you know, the, the podcast is always going to be like the kind of center of it. But like, yeah, being able to interact with you all has been really fun, you know, with Twitch and all that. Like, I didn't really expect to like Twitch as much as I do. And it's just because of the interaction, really, you know, like yeah. the shared experience is why I'm there. I think, you know, that that's and I think uh, backing that up on YouTube for those who can't make it, I'm, that I see a lot of positive response to that. So that will kind of guide us in that direction direction as well with the patreon too again i think we've settled on the idea that there's never going to be paywall content but as we grow and as we do more things i think that we will look for a way to maybe reward the patrons in some way you know so keep an eye on that and if you have feedback for that let us know yeah but i think that that could be something down the road you know the patreon is a flexible growing thing so like uh, we're open for feedback on that 
Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we should shout out. Yeah. Uh, Into the Castle Online has all the links that you need. Uh, that's Twitter. That's Instagram. That's uh, links to join the Discord. There's a link to the uh, the Into the Aether demo disc, which is a Spotify playlist you can send to people who are new to the podcast. If if uh, it's it's episodes that we in the Discord have decided are like probably good entry points into the show. So that's a cool link that you can send to people if they are Spotify listeners. That's where the Twitch is. It's twitch.tv slash into the cast. That's where our YouTube is. Um, I'm going to be experimenting at some point. I don't know when, but I, I think soon with making some YouTube specific content, which might be a weird experiment. Um, so I guess stay tuned for that. I don't know. There's just a lot of cool stuff on the horizon. We're, we're both really excited. Uh, we're, yeah. It feels like we're in like a pretty comfortable place, which is nice um, because it's allowing us to become more experimental and try some new stuff. Uh, yeah, so, it's our a lot kid of optimism. Phase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're out of the Pablo Honey years finally. Yeah, hey, if, if it's phase. our kid A phase, is that so? We currently record this podcast digitally. Does that mean we'd have to switch to analog equipment? So <laughs> we'd have to like swap. You know, we'd have we'd have to do the opposite of what Radiohead did. I guess we need two drummers. One is not enough. <laughs> I think if we added one drummer to our podcast about video games, that would be a pretty big shift. <laughs> Have like a Birdman drumming background for the whole thing. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! Amazing. Don't test me. I mean, that'd be fun. Next bonus episode. Next bonus episode. Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> a movie I thought was fine. Um, okay. Good night. Uh, bye, everyone. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. This has been fun. We this has been a fun you. episode to record. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> be seeing See you. <laughs> that's the one last thing <laughs> only rivaled by oblivion the, the like walking off camera end of dialogue in origins unreal yeah the scene characters are like well i guess i should be going since <laughs> that that three seconds of just dead silence is so good okay goodbye Garbage dot online.